3C, I would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nations, true owners, caretakers, and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. 3CR pays respect to elders, past and present of the Kulin Nation. We recognize their unceded sovereignty. This is 3CR Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am to 8.30am. It's time to speak up, speak out and speak loud. From an idea born on a park bench outside Liberal Party headquarters where hundreds of women told their stories of sexual violence. Introducing Feminist Fridays. Join our open speaking circle to tell your story any way you want. A poem, a speech or a dance. You can even yell it out in the direction of Parliament House because that's where we'll be, on the steps. Feminist Fridays. Starting Friday the 30th of April at 12pm. Join us. It's time to unite, heal and take back our power. Feminist Fridays isn't just a protest. We are a non-hierarchical collective ready to destroy the patriarchy, starting with your voice. This event is taking place in stolen Wurundjeri land and voices of First Nations people are prioritised. Hosted by Loud, Angry and Not Sorry. A 3CR supporter. Good morning. Welcome to Monday Breakfast on 3CR. Uh, this morning we bring you highlights from recent, the recent student strike. Um, Vivian Langford brings us highlights from the recent national school strike for climate. Uniting Church here in Sydney, uh, Pitt Street, and I've got someone here from a big group of people. There's a band, there's lots of music as you can hear, and Mikhail is going to tell us why are you rallying today? Um, it's so important that we're out here today rallying with people to um, fight for um, First Nations people's sovereignty over their land and to fight against gas projects that the government wants to run through because um, that's what it takes um, in this era to see a world where everybody flourishes and lives well. Why do you think the young people are catching everyone's attention? Um, I think that um, young people are scared and... Um, I think that we, this is an issue that we've grown up with and, and so we haven't had a chance to, um, get, to, to become used to a world where, um, where business as usual is normal for us. For us, knowing that we have a, a future that is at risk is normal and so um, we're, ready to, we're ready to get out there because we're scared about what the future holds. You've got drums here. That's enough to scare anybody. And it's going to be a big crowd. So do you think it's a matter of numbers and getting the media to notice you? Yeah, I guess ultimately what we want to do today is to um, get the nation to, to look at this issue and to talk about this issue. We really um, want to start a conversation and continue the conversation that's already happening um, because we need, this is the big issue we need, we need the world to be talking about this. You're cutting through with the Prime Minister who's well known as a Christian. You know, he really is strongly asserting that as his persona. Do you feel you can get through to him? Well, I guess we hope. We hope that he'll see something in what we're doing that he can, that he can resonate with. Um, 
Yeah, I'm sure that he, he also shares a vision of a world made whole and a world where all people can live well. And so I hope that he can see the reality of the situation and, and hopefully he can connect to the fact that we have some similarity with where he's coming from. I'm Moni Tamupel. I'm the uh, mission facilitation consultant for UME um, as my placement. This morning has been just incredible, you know, with our young people leading the service, um, you know, the charge with the sermon, uh, um, encouraging us that there's hope, you know, for the future, but we have to act now, and uh, that, that's why I'm here to march together with them in solidarity of our young people in our future. Me too. I'm delighted how well researched they are and how specific they are. You know, they're not just making generalised uh, demands. Exactly. And that's what the United Church is standing for, isn't it? To, to uh, stand with those who are, um, are destitute and marginalised. And that's why climate is so important to us. Because the crisis is there for us not to be, um, to stand together with them. So I'm glad for today. Looking forward to it. I'm still in Head Street Uniting Church and I've got the minister here. Would you like to tell us why you're here and what's happened this morning? Yes, well we had a service with um, Christian Students Uniting to gather people together and um, pray and uh, mobilise to build on the Uniting Church's commitment to renewing the life of the earth and that's at the centre of Pitt Street Uniting Church's work. We see ourselves as a community committed to the uh, spirit, to justice and, and not least the earth and um, and hopefully we, we can do so, something and make a change. And it's long overdue, but in the power of God and our own actions, we can make a difference. Do you see something poignant about the fact that it's children and Pacific peoples and often marginalised people who are really leading this? Yeah, well, I think so. But I think, it's, I think change often comes from the edges, doesn't it? From the vulnerable and the, um, the poor. And that, they're those who are the, the most impacted by climate change and sadly until we hear those voices and lift them up but one, one of the great things about today has been the energy and the inspiration that young people have, have brought and so they embody hope for us I think from the rest of us to get up and do what we can older people don't leave it to those others it's about human solidarity I have another minister here. Pitt Street Church today is full of ministers of all types and from different congregations, but it's all uniting church. So would you, Penny, tell us a little bit about why climate action affects so many people now? It's very clear to me that um, people are finally catching up with what has been known for a very long time, uh, that we really do have to care for our earth. And so it's just been inspirational this morning to see the young people and to see our indigenous and uh, Pacifica folk coming forward and encouraging us in that action. For me, um, this has been close to my heart for decades, but just to see now the, the energy and the kind of group action that's taking place is encouraging. Members of Sydney's Pitt Street Uniting Church congregation with their support for the recent school strike. You're listening to 3CR. Now! Now! Say climate! Who say criminal? Climate!
fund projects that transition our economy and communities to 100% renewable energy by 2030 through expanded public ownership. The Pacific Climate Warriors, a network of young Pacific people from 15 Pacific Island nations, Australia, New Zealand and the US, are working to model for the world what true climate leadership looks like. serves as an executive team member for the New South Wales Pacific Climate Warriors. She's an activist, storyteller, and traditional Samoan dancer who carries the message, we are not drowning, we are fighting. Let's welcome Penapesi Chen. There is no justice for climate without addressing the systemic extraction, harm, and violence towards Indigenous, Black, and racialized communities. Around the world, Indigenous, Black and racialized communities are the ones hardest hit by the climate crisis. When centering these injustices, we have the power to shift barriers and boundaries. So we must always hold these truths at the centre of our organising. Climate change is a man-made issue that essentially tampers with the preservation of our culture. The values and traditions that set us apart as Pacific Islanders in this world is why I fight for my island. I want them to feel the cool air while the sun is high in the sky and hear all of the roosters of the village cry one after the other as the sun peeks into the horizon. This is the land that I long for. So although Tuvalu is physically far away from me, I'll continue to see my home in the eyes of my grandmother. I'll forever hear the sounds of Tuvalu when my grandma starts a hymn in a tone that my Samoan family can't quite harmonise. It's an unspoken rule or, or a common principle that when you grow up, you'll look after your parents. And in retrospect to that, our Pacific youth would do the same for our islands, except we don't have the luxury of waiting to grow up. Scott Morrison continually fails to protect all Australian homes and his Pacific neighbours bear the brunt of these actions. Low-lying atoll communities such as Tuvalu become most vulnerable. The people of Tuvalu said, if Tuvalu goes down, so does the world. In a world with so many injustices, we must start thinking collectively. There's a Samoan proverb that goes, When translated, it reads, When it's felt towards the sea, it's felt towards the land. And the underlying message to this is, When something happens in our family, no matter how far away they might be, we all feel the repercussions. We need action now. The extraction and burning of fossil fuels like gas is accelerating the climate crisis that threatens our islands and our people. The climate crisis is now. We need real transformative change now. We need real leadership now. Scott Morrison continues to fail our Indigenous people. He continues to fail those recovering from the bushfires. He continues to fail all of us as we recover from the pandemic. We're here because we can't let him fail our future. We are not drowning! We are not drowning! We are not drowning! Pacifica, uh, youth leaders there, we are not drowning, we are fighting. Uh, with a clear message for governments about the need for immediate and strong action on climate change. The organisers have built a strong coalition of support from unions wanting a just transition. You're listening to 3CR. This is Monday Breakfast. The ETU have been strong advocates for workers in emission-intense 
industries for many years and have been fighting hard to ensure these workers aren't left behind as we make the much needed transition from fossil fuels to renewable energy. Let's welcome Alan. Thank you. Also I want to thank every single person here today to have the courage to come out to this strike and to fight not only for your future, but all of our future. Congratulations. School students shouldn't have to go on strike. But when we've got a government and a Prime Minister that's not listening, that's not concerned about your future, then we have to strike. We have to fight. And we have to make it abundantly clear that enough is enough. To achieve net zero emissions, we have to have a resolute focus. We have to have businesses. We have to have community, we have to have unions, and we have to have governments all going the same way. But as we know, and you've heard from the speakers before me today, Scott Morrison is asleep at the wheel and he's done nothing. And he doesn't care about the future of this country. And I say, shame! He's also done nothing for the workers in the emission intensive industries to create a pathway for them to transition from fossil fuels into clean energy. So many workers, communities and businesses are going to be adversely affected because of Scott Morrison's failure to show leadership in this area. Scott Morrison and Angus Taylor continue to mislead, misrepresent and provide false hopes to these workers, communities and businesses. I was fortunate enough a couple of years ago to speak at the last strike that he's had as one of the best and proudest days of my life to be in front of so many people that wanted to fight for our future. And I spoke about it on that day. I did my apprenticeship in the coal mines. I'm a proud Sparky. My father was a coal miner until he passed away. So I benefit enormously out of the coal industry. But it's our responsibility as unions to make sure workers do have that clear pathway out of fossil fuels into clean energy. The proposed Curry Curry gas peaking generator is a clear example of where a federal government gets it completely wrong. The federal government tried to force the private sector into building a gas peaking station. They know what the private sector did. They said, it's not viable and we're not going to do it. So instead of listening to the experts, what does the federal government do? They go and grab $600 billion of your money and my money, taxpayers' money, invest in something that isn't viable. And the ironic part about this is the same federal government has been trying to pressure state and territory governments for years, for years, to privatise publicly owned assets, like electricity distributors, like electricity generators, like rail, like motorways. And then when they don't get their way with the private sector, what do they do? They want to create a publicly owned gas peaking generator. Shame. You know, if there was a demand for a gas peaking station, don't you think the private sector would have went out there to make some dollars and they would have built it? It just doesn't stack up. It's an absolute disgrace that this government, again, is wasting taxpayers' dollars on something that it shouldn't be doing. But I tell you what, the people, the people in the regions around Curry Curry and the Hunter Valley, they deserve jobs. They deserve investment. But they don't deserve something that's not viable. And I just want to read something out to you. When the uh, environmental impact statement for the Curry Curry project was lodged, with the New South Wales Department of Planning, they actually admitted that the plant will only run for 2% of its rated capacity each year. 
We're spending $600 million for a gas-fired power station to operate 2% of the time. And Angus Taylor, the energy minister, reckons we need to do it to make sure that the electricity network's viable and it's going to drive down electricity prices. That's bullshit. It's bullshit because what it'll do, projects like this that aren't viable, it'll drive electricity prices up and contribute to global warming. I had a message for Scott Morrison and Angus Taylor and the rest of his cronies in federal government. Let's grab that 600 million bucks. Let's use it in something that's practical and sensible. Let's build some offshore wind. Yeah! Let's invest that 600 million dollars which creates hundreds and hundreds of jobs and clean, cheap power. The offshore wind sector provides massive job opportunities to build towers, turbines, subsea foundations, cables, offshore substations and the work for maritime workers. This is a sensible, practical use of taxpayers' dollars. Again, I'm so proud to have the privilege to be asked to speak today to all of you. Have a look around, but don't leave this here today. Make sure we go back out into our various communities and have the conversations with our mums and dads, our brothers and sisters, our aunts and uncles, our family, our friends, and make sure they remember this. We've got a Prime Minister that does not care about our future. So we don't care about his future. And it's time for Scott Morrison to go. This country is in good hands, not because of the leadership of the federal Liberal Party. It's in good hands because when I look around here today and I see everyone that's committed to a cause, committed to an outcome, prepared to strike, prepared to fight to do whatever it is. And the ETU is going to make this statement. We support, we support your demands. We support your demands to have Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander-led solutions that guarantee land rights and care for country. We support your demands for the creations of jobs and fast-track solutions to the climate crisis and help communities recover. We support your demands to ensure that projects that transition our economy and community to 100% renewable by 2030 through expanded public ownership. I again congratulate you on your stance today and the ETU is going to be with you every step of the way. Congratulations! Alan Hicks there, the National Secretary of the Electrical Trades Union, speaking there at the recent student strike for climate in Sydney. You're on 3CR. This morning we're playing highlights from the event. Now let's welcome Patrick Rudd, a 17-year-old striker all the way from Port Macquarie in the north coast of New South Wales. Like many places across the east coast, two months ago my town was struck by extreme flooding. Over 3,000 calls for help were made as houses and small businesses were lost and streets and parks were buried in debris. Livestock from farms kilometres away washed up dead on our shores and schools closed as many of our teachers and fellow students worked to restore what was lost. We were told it was a once in a hundred year storm, but we've heard numbers like that before. Two years ago, regional New South Wales faced a once in 400 year drought. Grazing land turned to dust and farmers were forced to rely on charity to keep sheep and cattle alive. One year ago, my town, like many across Australia, was impacted by the worst bushfire season this country has ever seen. At one point, we were completely cut off as five major fires surrounded us. Roads were closed and smoke blanketed our town. 
but we were the lucky ones. There were towns further inland that were just about wiped off the map. The bushfires that summer took 19 million hectares, 3,000 homes and 34 lives. Every day we heard more stories about the ones we lost and the ones who lost everything. Those fires were the worst on record in New South Wales. How much longer can we keep shrugging our shoulders? During the fires across Australia, Scott Morrison told us from his resort in Hawaii that he was doing all he can, that he doesn't have a hose and that he doesn't sit in an all-powerful control room. Well, Scott Morrison, a good start would be to stop ignoring the calls for change made by firefighters and climate scientists, students and indigenous leaders. You've thrown 51 billion into fossil fuels, the industry fueling the climate crisis. What we are seeing right now is a glimpse at what we'll be facing for the rest of our lives if we do not act. We don't have time to debate concrete evidence anymore. We know we are on the cusp of a climate crisis and every day we procrastinate will be to the detriment of younger generations and we'll just watch as an increasingly dangerous climate continues to devastate communities across the globe. Thank you.
That was Patrick Rudd, a young activist from Gamilaroi Next Generation. You're on 3CR. This morning we are playing highlights from the recent student strike for climate in Sydney. Vivian Langford reports. I'm in Bondi Park and we've just had a get-up action about fund our future, not coal. And I've got Maddie here. Yeah, so essentially what we were doing today is going out and having transformational conversations with people uh, in the electorate of Wentworth, speaking to residents about why they care about protecting you know, our climate and the people and places we love. And yeah, it's just really important that we have those conversations and then share those messages of support uh, to Dave Sharma so he hears loud and clear that we care about these issues and that we don't want public money going towards gas projects or coal or anything like that. Could you send another person who's bravely volunteered her time to get people to sign this in Bondi Junction, which is a frightening place. There's thousands of people here. What did you experience? Oh, I experienced... uh, My sentiments are the same as Maddie's, and I find it absolutely outrageous that this government wants to spend our money, our taxpayer dollars making the whole situation of climate change worse and and the lies that we're told. It makes me very, very angry and I'm ashamed to be Australian. But when you spoke to the public, did you get a good response that people wanted to support this campaign to stop those dollars flowing into gas? Mm, Some people do and some people don't. Some people believe the lies that they're told and they think that climate change is, they're, they're climate change deniers. They think that the earth's always been changing. And some people were very supportive mm. and understand that the climate change is real. Mm. Yes, I met people who said it was rubbish, oh. but they weren't the majority. So, no. no. Anyone else? Would you like to- Hi. Um, yeah, I've joined today because um, I was caught up in the bushfires of um, 2020 down the south coast was a very rattling experience um, and came home and did a lot of extra reading and a lot of um, research on why we had the fires um, and understood then that the consensus was the ferocity of the season was because of climate change. Uh, I spent 2020 um, doing a lot of reading and getting very concerned and came to the conclusion that we are at a crisis point now and we need massive action. We need to take action now because we're running out of time and I've understood most people don't understand this. So my commitment in 2021 was to help make this knowledge known more broadly in the community and am very concerned and outraged that our government is spinning lies to the Australian public about a so-called gas-led recovery Uh, Gas is, we have enough gas in our economy. Uh, The mix, we always will need gas. We don't need any more and we don't need any more investment in it. We need to direct that money towards renewables. That's where our future is. Other countries around the world are going blazes with moving over to renewables. Boris Johnson has got the target of 20 in 2030 that all households will be powered by renewables. So it's definitely doable. It's something that we can do. It can be done now, and there's no reason why we can't do it. There's a lot of jobs that can be created from this, and we just need a leader to transition us through, through this process, look after the people that are going to lose their jobs, um, but have a plan. We need a leader. We don't need a follower. We need a leader. 
What was your experience just going out to the public? Was that a confronting thing for you? A lot of people are very busy, but my sense was that they are concerned about the environment. Their opinion is what the government is telling them. They do not understand what the issues are, um, and we have a communication problem. Thank you very much. What happened to you today? Did you go out in the public? Yes, yeah, I, I had a great time talking to people, and a lot of people do care about the situation with climate change. The reason I was out today, or one of the reasons I was out, is that a lot of people are doing it tough. The cancellation of JobKeeper without a sensible alternative pushed a million children down into poverty, and those families don't have time to stay abreast of the news, and the government takes advantage of them by putting out fake news to support their own corporates who donate to them. So it's great to get out and just share a bit of information and um, give some sort of reality to many people. That's a very compassionate point of view. What motivates you with climate action in general? Generally it's, uh, well I've got four little granddaughters, two in Australia, two in Austria. A big part of it is to make sure they have a reasonable life down the track. There's no point living on a planet where the wealthy just bail out of areas that have been destroyed by climate change and make up their own little new environments that are safe and the bulk of the population just gets left to rot. We've got another one of these brave people who've gone out and faced the public. It is quite hard. Did you find that? Yeah, well, it, it, I was really nervous about it because it's quite hard to, to talk to people. You don't know whether they're going to be... Um, for or against, um, but it w actually turned out um, easier than I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, there was one, one guy who said he doesn't believe in climate change at all. He was sitting on a bench um, eating his lunch, and then the woman um, on the other end of the bench said, well, I'm interested, uh, I'll, I'll talk to you, and, and she was very concerned about climate change, so she was very supportive. Yeah. So, yeah, it was interesting. There's a mixture of views. I know you make films, but did you, is there some sort of film you could make out of this? Because it seems to me a very minority thing, people handing out leaflets or handing, asking people to sign something in the street. The 90% of the people are walking by, but there's a story there, isn't it? Two groups of people. Do you see a, a film in that? Yeah, I, I can. Actually, there's a film festival um, that some friends of mine are running, Dare to Struggle, and um, the, it's, it's about stories of people who are campaigning for things, struggling for, for social change. So um, a, a film about the, these um, amazing get-up volunteers who run these things would be amazing mm. to, to talk about what they do, um, what motivates them, and... and that would be a really good story, actually. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Well, I met you with, um, with the Jack Mundy at the Jack Mundy Memorial, and a lot of 3CR listeners know about Jack Mundy. So what image do you hold up? Because it looks so fragile, doesn't it? Climate change is happening. The big corporations are still pumping money into it. Our government's pumping money into it. And there's these handful of, you know, innocent-looking people handing out pamphlets and asking people to have a conversation. What models do you think of, you know, heroes and people who've gone before us, do you think of? Most social movements start with very small groups, like the, um, the, the women's liberation movement started with two women who chained themselves to a bar that was male only, and that started the whole movement that gained us the rights that we have today. Every movement starts slow, but 
But the climate change, it's not that small anymore. We had the school strike for, for climate yeah. kids, and that's really um, encouraging because I think it's the, it's, it's the younger generation that are going to get this um, change going. Thanks to Maddie and the Get Up volunteers at Bondi Junction. As Leslie Mobsby says, it's important to get informed and to share information. Sharing this podcast will help us and help people who think there's nothing we can do. The seas are rising, but people are rising too. And if you need proof that warming temperatures are harming us, you can read a recent article by Peter Hannam, Sydney Morning Herald. It's called Not Just Dropping Off a Twig. And he says that warming is deceptive. It's not just bats falling out of trees or mass coral bleaching. Sub-lethal temperatures can cause loss of fertility in plants, insects, fish and coral. And you can imagine that is another kind of death. In the recent Upper Hunter Valley by-election, all parties except the Greens backed the coal industry. And the Nationals won that by-election. So let's build up an alternative power base by getting behind these climate action groups. 75% of Australians feel something should be done about climate change and these groups are leading the way. Please get behind them. My name is Vivian Langford. Thanks to Vivian, Robert McLean and the rest of the Climate Action Show Collective for that report from the May 21st School Strike for Climate Change in Sydney. Rallies were held in 50 sites across Australia, including the Northern Territory, Tasmania, Queensland, WA, New South Wales, South Australia, Canberra and Victoria, as well as in major cities and provincial centres. A call for action from students for immediate and effective action on climate change. And you can catch the Climate Action Show Collective every Monday evening here on 3CR from 5pm. Or you can visit our website, www.3cr.org au forward slash climate action Independent and Peaceful Australian Network, IPAN, has launched a national people's inquiry into the costs and consequences of Australia's involvement in the US-led wars the U.S. Alliance and its alternatives. The inquiry aims to promote a national conversation and is currently inviting submissions from organisations and individuals. The great majority of Australians have never been asked about this alliance, its implications and its limitations, which has led to an uncritical foreign policy. It's time this changed. To make a submission, go to independentpeacefulaustralia.com.au. That's independentpeacefulaustralia.com.au. Submissions close on the 31st of July. IPAN is a 3CR supporter. Good morning. You're on 3CR Monday Breakfast. This is Jacob. And up next, we are going to play a track called If It Glitters, It's Gold by Indigenous rapper Dallas Woods. And this one's been helping me hype myself up for some uni exams. So I hope it helps you hype yourself up for your Monday morning.
I got pals in the pen, got pals in the pen since the age of 10 with a face like them, with a face like them. Not my fault that I fit the role, or I got involved because I'm fit to go. Tell me hit the road with the things we stole when the popo knock, brother. I don't know. They say in Dali the kid, man, how you do them like that? You must be someone important. No way to who got your back. They looking up for the plug, so I throw them the bag and they get wiker, 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 wasted like that. And it goes. Greetings have been making sustainable beautiful since 2003. Their 100% recycled cards, plastic-free stationery and earth-friendly gifts are made in Australia with the lightest possible planetary footprint. Shop online at earthgreetings.com.au or at one of over 500 stockists Australia-wide. Earth Greetings is a 3CR supporter. Hi, this is Isaac, and I'm talking to you from a tree seat 40 meters high in the Arenandra Plateau. I'm here with other activists because we want to stop what Big Forest is planning to do, which is to destroy 60 new areas in one of the last refuges of unburned forest in East Gippsland. 
We're calling the state government to protect all ambient areas of East Gippsland. If you want to get involved, contact gecko at gecko.org.au and join the campaign. A 3CR supporter. That was Dallas Woods, If It Glitters, It's Gold. Um, you're on 3CR Monday Breakfast. This is Jacob, and we're joined by Carnegie. Welcome. Um, and as regular listeners would know, it is currently our Radiothon, and we're trying to raise about 250 grand. Um, as we know, 3CR is reliant on our listeners' donations. So do we want to talk a bit about some of the ways we can donate? Yeah, I think um, so you can go online to 3cr.org.au. Um, you can call in on 94198377. Um, if you don't have time to call, you can just SMS your pledge of support to 0488809855 and we will send you back the payment details as well. Lots of options. Um, and as we all know, 3CR um, gives airtime to the lived experiences of the most vulnerable and demonstrates how interconnected struggles are working in solidarity. So these perspectives don't exist in mainstream media, which is why it's super important to keep 3CR going and donate. Absolutely. And up next, we've got a hot track. Yeah, I thought we would continue with the Dallas Woods Trail. Um, This is called Better Days. By Dallas Woods, Baker Boy, and Sampa the Great. Ain't no fairy tale when you live in hell. Trust me, that's a story I know very well. Bad weather, no umbrella, it gets better. Seen it with my own eyes, uh. Money and job, you ain't got one. How you gon' raise my godson? Adoption. I know that's not an option. Your baby mama watching. Other girls and their husbands, they with crips and kids. That's how a family functions. We face obstacles, that's not cool, but you got to choose. What's best for you? I see you. Trying to better yourself and trying to better your health. I see you getting closer every day. Just super understanding what I must have planned. Be nigga, who could do what trying to find another hand. I push into the storm, being better than I am. When I make a bigger try, always trying to push me down. Man, I'm bigger than the image and the fans. Vision is decision, I can see what through the brands. See what through the smoke. Life is not a joke. When I finally drop my mask, my mirror, it almost broke.
month of June, we'll be asking you, the listener, to support radical, community-owned media during our Radiothon. We'll be taking donations online, over the phone and in the station to help keep us going for another year. Independent community media is more important than ever, and we need your support to power community radio. The 3CR Radiothon kicks off in June. To donate, go to 3cr.org.au, call the station on 039419-8377 or drop in at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy during business hours. 3CR Community Powered Radio. So the track that you heard before that um, announcement was uh, Better Days by Dallas Woods, Sampa the Great and Baker Boy. Um, Next up we have Ella Toombs. She spoke with Chris Shuringa from the Dukungara Environment Centre about the recent win for Alaturka Coop in Ernandra, the injunction that stopped the logging and ongoing fight to protect native forests in the area. Over the past few months in Arunandra, there has been sustained action from community and supporters to stop logging in the Alaturka Coop. Um, so we've had protests, legal action, public pressure, and finally an injunction has come through. We've had good news on Friday, logging has been halted. So to talk about the good news with me this morning, I'm joined by Chris Sharinga from the Goongara Environmental Centre. Good morning and welcome to 3CR Breakfast, Chris. Thanks for having me. Um, now, tell us about this decision you got on Friday. Um, so the the court case um, or the initial hearing that happened was about a week and a bit ago, but on Friday uh, we had word that the machines, um, all of machi- the machines had left the area, so that was really kind of a big moment um, in the campaign and especially for all the folks out there, um, yeah, the community who had been taking a stand against the against the imminent logging in Arunandra, so that was really exciting. Um, yeah, moment and to celebrate. Excellent. Yeah, absolutely. And um, for those who don't know, can you tell us a little bit about the area in Arunandra? Yeah, it's a really um, it's a really special, um, beautiful place. Really kind of tall, old, wet forests, um, home to uh, the endemic. Erin under Shining Gum, and also uh, really unique uh, wildlife um, like the Greater Glider, Longfooted Potteroo, uh, and it's kind of um, it's it's kind of a hotspot really for um, for Greater Gliders and other and biodiversity really, and also cool temperate rainforest. Uh, and it was also one of the one of the few areas that wasn't uh, as badly impacted by the 2019-2020 uh, Black Summer bushfires. So it's a really critical refuge area for wildlife and also for people um, when you're driving through East Gippsland and kind of up north towards Goongra, you know, if the impacts of the fire, it's really quite shocking. And then you're coming to, you know, you're finally reaching an area that, that managed to survive and it's pretty shocking to learn that, that there's a lot of areas still scheduled for logging 
um, in, in these areas and, and other critical <coughs> refuge areas around East Gippsland. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was up in Goongarra myself late last year um, and it was so beautiful once you got there. But I have to say the drive-in, I came from New South Wales, it was a bit depressing to see all these huge logging trucks and this, these areas completely cleared. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's shocking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and as you said, it's an area that has been really badly affected by the fires. Um, you would think that might mean there's a reduction in logging, but we've actually had the opposite, right? There's been more logging planned for the area. Yeah, yeah. About six or seven months after the bushfires, uh, a, a new logging schedule was announced, which was specifically targeted at, in bushfire-affected forests. So that's um, that's post-fire post logging, which is one of the most damaging forms of logging. And then a few months after that, even more areas were, were added to the schedule. So we're kind of seeing not really any changes at all from the government on the ground in terms of protections for threatened species. Uh, the logging is just kind of going on um, as it was before the fires. So it's pretty disappointing to see, but very heartening um, that you know, this community-led campaign that ran for, it started in January and resulted in, in has resulted in two areas being taken off the schedule and now this um, this injunction in Alaterka. Um, yeah. And can you it's tell nice us a little... have some good news. <laughs> yes, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> um, and can you tell us a little more about the campaign and the different groups involved? Yeah, so it was kind of kicked off by um, by community members and and which ran sort of a campaign called Save Save Erinundra. Uh and then there's been heaps of support from people from Melbourne, people from all over really Skipsland, even from New South Wales. Um, there's probably been over a hundred people that have gone gone through the camp, which has been really amazing. And uh, the organisation that I work for, Gecko, has been kind of supporting the camp and also running citizen science workshops and doing citizen science out in the area to go into the into the areas that are scheduled for logging and survey for threatened species and use that to pressure the government to to protect these areas. And so, uh, citizen science scientists actually found significant numbers of greater gliders in these areas but the government were refusing to follow the law and put in the protections and so that's kind of what the court case is really based on so it kind of informed the court case and then um, Environment East Gippsland which is a long-running environment group um, they they're the ones that are taking on taking on the battle in the courts which is yeah it's a big undertaking and we're really really grateful to work, be working with them to be able to get this outcome yeah, absolutely. Yep, sounds like you're fighting on all fronts, which is nice to hear. <laughs> yep. And yep. Um, you spoke there about citizen science. I believe you have a citizen science camp coming up, is that right? Yeah, we do. Hopefully, fingers crossed, um, yeah, things things look a little bit better with the um, COVID restrictions and we can go ahead with the camp. I mean, it is outside, so... Yeah, yeah fingers um, crossed. Hopefully, yeah, there was... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And what is yeah, the? Um, yeah, that's right. But where? I was just going to ask what the camps entail exactly. So for those who don't know, um, so it, the 
do we run a number of different kind of kind of workshops we do nocturnal surveying at night where it just involves kind of walking around with a high powered spotlight looking for some of these some of these animals so if you're interested in seeing seeing animals like the greater glider or forest owls um yeah it's a really great opportunity to experience some of the wildlife we also do tree measuring and putting out wildlife cams during the day go for walks uh flora kind of id uh, walks and just general Skillshare stuff like yeah how to scout around um for to figure out where areas are scheduled for logging and yeah it'll be really awesome so you can RSVP on our website which is gecko.org.au g-e-c-o.org.au there's an events page on there excellent um and I understand that um Despite you just having this win in court, the government are actually in the process of trying to make it harder to um, protest against logging or um, organise community groups to protest against logging. Is that right? Yeah, um, there's there's a couple of things kind of kind of going on at the moment. Um, there's a, there's a review into uh, the laws that govern logging in Victoria, uh, and we're pretty alarmed that um, the government is saying that they're going to make changes that make it harder for community groups to actually take legal action against against their logging agency. Uh, so, yeah, that's quite worrying. And then there's also stuff going on in the federal government around um, uh, threats to, to charity organisations um, and environment organisations that, that are doing protesting or protest actions, um, yeah, in terms of taking away their funding, which is, yeah, also... So really alarming. So yeah, uh, I guess it's this kind of state and federal level attack on on groups who are yeah, kind of exercising their democratic right, I suppose, to yep. engage in the court process and also um, and also do yeah protest. Yeah, and pretty unbelievable when we have a perfect example right here, right now, of why it is so important that people can get out and um, protest. Um, absolutely, absolutely. And um, how can listeners at home get involved if they want to advocate? What's the best way to do that? Um, best way is to uh, follow us on social media and on our website. I mean, we've got um, we've got a mailing list and we kind of send out an email uh, once or twice a month. And it's it you know we'll send out ways that people can get involved. That might be like. We might do a call to action where people call can call the minister's office or um, Daniel Andrews' office, um, and you can donate through our website as well. So, yeah, yeah, that's gecko.org.au. Excellent, and yeah, we'll post all that on our website. All right, thanks so much for joining us this morning, Chris, and congratulations. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Take care. And next up, we're going to listen to Little Sunflower from Dorothy Ashby.
that was Little Sunflower by Dorothy Ashby. Uh, you're on 3CR with Monday Breakfast. Up next we have artist um, Ajak Kwai and we have this song Let Me Grow My Wings from her latest album. I'm 
That was a Jack Kwai with her track Everyone Is Watching from her latest album Let Me Grow My Wings. And you can catch a Jack on 3CR every Wednesday from 8:30 p.m. on her program Ubuntu Store or Ubuntu Voices, sorry. Local African communities telling their stories through music and spoken word. Check it out at 3cr.org.au forward slash Ubuntu. That's U B U N T U. Up next, Sam Kozar Gilbert from Friends of the Earth joins Phil Evans from Dirt Radio to talk about a historic win that holds the Shell Corporation liable for causing damage for climate change. You're on 3CR. This is Phil Evans. We are going to talk about the Shell court case that happened recently in the Netherlands. And joining me on the phone... Uh, today is Sam Cossa Gilbert from Friends of the Earth International, the Resisting Neoliberalism and Economic Justice Coordinator. Um, always love that job title. Um, Sam, how are you today? We're very excited and happy to have just uh, beaten Shell in a major court case. <laughs> it is um, huge news and um, very exciting. Um, for a little context, I wonder if you could tell our listeners um, a little bit about how this court case got started um, and what it's all about. So the court case got started about three years ago, um, and it's based on a similar case that was run in the Netherlands called Agenda by a group of uh, Dutch citizens against the Dutch government. Um, and maybe we should think about a similar case, and I think people are against the Australian government. But a group of Dutch citizens got together maybe five years ago and took a case against the Dutch government, um, saying they needed to increase their emissions target and action on climate change um, because the government has a duty of care to society. They won that case, and then they won in an appeal. Um, and after that case was won, Frenzy of Netherlands and a few people got together and thought, well, what's the, the next biggest polluter in the Dutch context? And also Friends of the Earth International has worked on Shell for many decades. It's um, horrendous impacts, particularly in the Niger Delta. But so, yeah, we looked at the legal arguments, um, did some strategizing, got the same lawyers from the previous case, mm. and then brought a very similar case against Shell. Um, Shell admits about the same amount uh, as the Dutch state um, and has one of the world's largest polluters. Um, over historically. And um, this week, I mean, finally, it feels like it's been going for you, three years, as you said. Um, we did hear a um, verdict on that, and it was um, pretty monumental. I mean, with, if I think about a lot of the cases that I hear um, run in the courts, often climate change isn't seen as an argument that can be run. Um, what was different here? So for the first time in history, um, a judge has held a corporation liable for causing dangerous climate change. Mm. So it was Friends of the Netherlands who brought the case together with 17,000 uh, Dutch co-plaintiffs, but we also had millions of Friends of the Earth supporters around the world joining and supporting the case. Um, and so what the court in The Hague ruled is Shell must reduce its global CO2 emissions from its operations uh, by 45% within 10 years. And so what it's really saying is that it's uh, Shell must align its business model with the Paris Climate Accord and a 1.5 degree target, which we know we need to have a safe uh, future. So the verdict, we think, is really historic because of what it means for Shell, but also other big polluters. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's an incredible outcome. Um, and what our lawyers have said, while it, while it is happening in the Dutch context, what our lawyers have said is that hopefully it sets a, a global precedent and big polluters who continue to pollute either need to change their action or face similar cases. 
Yeah, for sure. And it's it's pretty interesting. I know some of the um, arguments here um, around, um, in particular, if I think about the Adani mine, um, often it's being said, well, the mine itself, the emissions aren't that great, but um, the on-burning of the coal is um, obviously the, the hugely significant uh, source of emissions. And this case addressed that um, with Shell being held responsible for emissions from its customers and suppliers as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's why it's a really landmark decision. Um, not only is it Global's operations, it's all of the Scope 3 emissions. Um, and I think what the, the further impact that this case has had um, really rippling around the world is there was a, another few climate victories uh, last week, so mm. in different spaces. So there was a kind of hedge fund um, that in the US that wanted to get some board members uh, on ExxonMobil because they hadn't been taking enough action. There was a, a substantive victory in a court case here in Australia as well, um, and then another shareholder action that um, that, that led Chevron or, or called on Chevron to reduce its, its emissions. So we're seeing a real cascade of um, climate victories, both from the courts, from investors, and a number of governments around the world are acting, and, and hopefully we hope this momentum can can really trigger a tidal wave of, of climate litigation against big polluters and force them to stop extracting and burning fossil fuels. Yeah, in your answer to the first question, you you, you kind of um, mentioned that uh, you were hoping that this a similar sort of cases could be run um, around the world, um, including here in Australia. Um, I know that many people have looked at uh, climate and recently the school strikers uh, managed to get up that uh, protecting their future in a court case. Um, I think it was around the Vickery coal mine that Whitehaven were um, getting together, um, included in the case and a ruling. Uh, do you think that this case will set that precedent to allow for more action in Australia and will it have that effect? So, yeah, as I said, our, our hope is that the verdict will trigger a wave of climate litigation against big polluters. Um, when we're looking at the verdict, while each legal jurisdiction is national, so it was based on the Dutch duty of care law, um, we think that there were some really important global precedents around using the Paris Climate Accord um, mm. as the basis, but also the UNGPs, the United, United Nations Guiding Principles uh, on the Conduct of Multinational Enterprises, but also judges make decisions based on... The, the global political or the national political context. And I think the environment movement over many years uh, has made the case, but also the science has made the case, that we need to take action on climate change and that not taking action on climate change is impacting our fundamental rights. And many uh, legal systems around the world are based on the protection of fundamental human rights, whether it be access to water, uh, access to dignity, access to work, uh, access to health, so now that the climate crisis has got so bad, um, we have the option of using the legal system to uh, take action. And I think that's what this court, court case has showed. And also what happened in Australia on Friday or Thursday with the school strikers um, winning a, 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 significant, a significant judgment. Mm. Um, you're listening to 3CR. This is Dirt Radio Friends of the Earth show on 3CR. And we're talking with Sam Cosa-Gilbert from Friends of the Earth International about um historic court case that uh, ruled Shell basically liable to uh, to take action on climate change, a really historic victory. Um, and talking about uh, what are the implications uh, here. And so do you... Th- 
just to get down to it, I mean, is it possible for people to launch a similar case in Australia? I mean, we're investigating it with our lawyers, but there's also a, a global network of activists and lawyers who are looking at these cases all around the world. And we will be um, holding conferences, sharing the knowledge um, so that people can bring similar cases. Um, here in Australia, Friends of the Earth have brought a complaint under the OECD guidelines against ANZ together with bushfire survivors mm. um, around ANZ financing of uh, climate destructive practices. Um, so we have a kind of semi-legal complaint already against the financial sector and I, it's, under, it's under confidence so I can't discuss it anymore. But they're the sort of actions that, that kickstart this, this more serious legal proceedings. I know Friends of the Earth Netherlands brought a number of OECD complaints before kind of bringing this very major climate litigation case. Um, and, yeah, lots of lawyers, you know, we've been contacted already by a number of law firms um, investigating and researching the possibility of it here in Australia. But also this verdict will um, impact Shell's operations here in Australia. Shell is a multinational company um, that has substantial gas operations in Australia, um, from fracking to some of the major gas operations, and, and it, it will be needing to reconsider um, its operations globally, including in Australia, um, to meet the order of the judge. Um, so, you know, I think it, it could have a very real-world effect. And I, and I noticed yesterday the, the business editor of the ABC, um, this really puts into question the gas-led recovery of the Morrison government. If major fossil fuel companies, be it ExxonMobil, Shell... Um, Chevron, which are involved in Australia's gas exploitation, are being called on to reduce their emissions and reconsider their options. Uh, maybe the gas-led gas recovery is running out of steam before it's even started. Um, which would be great news to um, hear, particularly uh, for um, Victorians down on the um, southwest coast facing coastal gas and also, I mean, the... The uh, the onshore gas moratorium in Victoria lifts soon, so we don't want to see any more fossil fuel um, developments. And th that that's all great news um, from the legal side of it, but this kind of complements uh, a broader sense of work to hold corporations accountable um, within international frameworks. You mentioned the, the Paris Agreement around climate change, which listeners are probably quite... Uh, familiar with, which um, binds governments to specific targets um, to aspirationally, I believe, hold us below 1.5 degrees. How we're not locked in is um, problematic. But why are corporations held to a different standard? So traditionally, international law has focused on states, um, and that's how it's been, been established over a number of years. We do have a new um, development in the United Nations ongoing at the moment. I mean, it's got a, got a long name. It's the Inter Intergovernmental Working Group to Establish a Binding Instrument on Multinational Enterprises with Regards <laughs> to Human Rights. So you can try and say that before breakfast. Um, but, but what it's really trying to do is get at this problem, with, which is that often um, companies are able to use our globalised world to avoid responsibility. And whether that's, you know, avoiding tax burden. Um, by transferring their profits overseas or a grievous human rights abuses um, like we've seen with BHP um, dam destruction in Brazil that resulted in the death of 19 people mm. uh, and the destruction of an ecosystem. Too often corporations are able uh, to get away with polluting the planet and rights abuses. So what we really need is at the 
local level and the national level strong legal systems like we've seen now in the Netherlands. But at the international level, we really need an instrument that holds these companies accountable. And that's being discussed now. And, and yeah, I'd really encourage listeners to have a, have a look at it and, and get involved in the campaign um, for rights for people, rules for business. Yeah, it's, it, I like that. Uh, rights for people, rules for business. Uh, it sounds uh, like a better world to me when it works for people and planet rather than uh, profits. Um, you mentioned BHP, and I feel like it would be remiss not to mention the Cane Toad Awards, which is an initiative being run by Friends of the Earth in conjunction with Action Aid and Jubilee Australia to hold businesses accountable and kind of name and shame people around that. Do you want to remind our listeners uh, what's happening there? So Friends of the Earth is running with some of our allies a Corporate Cane Toad Award, um, which is Australia's most disgusting award, to name <laughs> and shame um, the, the worst of the worst. Um, and you can go on to the website at canetoadaward.org, uh, read about the cases and vote to shame uh, Australia's worst company. Um, and the, the, the concept is that, that by putting pressure on these companies, um, we will start to build the movement here for binding rules on business. Um, and it, there's also going to be a, if lockdown eases, there will be an award ceremony uh, on the 1st of July and a corporate cane trade trivia award. So I'd invite you all to vote, tell your friends to vote, and then to come along to the award ceremony because we'll have some surprises in, in store for the, for the biggest loser. <laughs> um, I like your optimism. Um, July 1st, let's hope we're well out of lockdown um, before then. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> um, so, yeah, jump on and check out the Cane Toad Awards. Um, ANZ got a mention in this interview as well, another nominee. Um, there's the Just Group, Mayor Resources, uh, ResGen, and Rio Tinto, as well as um, BHP, in that glorious list of... Uh, oh, nope, I uh, can only think of expletives to um, describe some of these horrible companies that are, are really pillaging the planet for their profits. Um, I want to thank you, Sam, for joining me on the show today to talk about that historic shell case. And once again, send congratulations to you, um, to Milieu Defence, Friends of the Earth, Netherlands, and, and everyone who's been involved in that historic case. It really, um, it's, it sends a lot of hope and, uh, and, and, and inspiration around the world. And um, congratulations to you all. Thank you so much. And congratulations to everyone who's been involved. I really encourage um, people to join Friends of the Earth or their local climate action groups, their trade union, because um, now is a really great time to get involved in the, in the fight for climate justice. I feel like we're really making some progress on key, on key fronts and it's a, it's a great time to be involved. Um, and you can, you can join at friendsofo.org.au. Um, and, yeah, if you want to get involved in our Economic Justice Collective, which is bringing similar um, legal complaints and action against big companies, um, just get in touch with us and, and volunteer. We're a real volunteer-powered movement here, and it'd be great to see you at the next collective meeting when we're able to do it. Fantastic. And I'll put uh, links up in the show notes uh, for all the things, so you can vote in the Cane Toad Awards, get involved with uh, your local Friends of the Earth group, or um, specifically with the Economic Justice group with Sam as well. Thanks so much for joining me, Sam. Um, have a good day and um, stay safe in the lockdown. Thanks, Phil. 
Thanks. That was Sam Cossa-Gilbert, the uh, resisting neoliberalism and economic justice coordinator with Friends of the Earth International and also a part of Friends of the Earth Australia's economic justice project, which he mentioned there, and you can get involved in that. You're on 3CR. We'll be back in just a moment. armed states are talking big and spending up with no intention to disarm. The Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons provides a pathway out of this mess, and it's up to us to get our government on board. Tune in to ICANN's Banned School to learn more and be part of History in the Making. It's five online sessions from June to September. Check it out and enrol at icanw.org.au forward slash band school. That's icanw.org.au forward slash band school. The international campaign to abolish nuclear weapons is a 3CR supporter. You're on 3CR Monday Breakfast. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, this is Jacob. And Carnegie. Um, and we are so pleased to have you on the line. And just a reminder, this is our Radiothon, and there are several ways you can donate. Several ways. Um, easiest is probably to donate online at 3cr.org.au, but if you... Prefer you can call us, you can SMS us, you can send us a check or money order to three uh, CR PO Box one two seven seven Collingwood Victoria three zero six six. Absolutely, help us stay on the air. Donate if you can. Uh, what are you doing for the rest of today, Carnegie? Um, probably, I don't know, work. Um, nothing exciting. But I will be back here tomorrow for Tuesday breakfast at seven a.m. Awesome. And what about you? Um, I will be going for my, my one-hour state-mandated walk today. <laughs> <laughs> and then probably just chilling at home. Sounds so, great. Yeah, cruisy. Cool. Thanks for joining us. Up next is Women on the Line. Throughout the month of June, we'll be asking you, the listener, to support radical, community-owned media during our Radiothon. We'll be taking donations online, over the phone and in the station to help keep us going for another year. Independent community media is more important than ever and we need your support to power community radio. The 3CR Radiothon kicks off in June. To donate, go to 3cr.org.au, call the station on 0394198377 or drop in at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy during business hours. 3CR, community-powered radio. CR Breakfast would like to thank the New International Bookshop, Melbourne's independent radical bookstore and venue, for their financial support of this program. You can find Nibs in the basement of Trades Hall in Victoria Street, Carlton. And while you're there, check out Radical Coffee, a worker-run cooperative cafe in the courtyard. Keep up to date with upcoming events at nibs.org.au. You've been listening to a podcast produced at 3CR Community Radio. It's Radiothon time. This is when we ask you, the listener, to help power community radio. 
This year, we need to raise $250,000 to keep the station going. Any amount you can afford makes a big difference. It's so easy to donate. Head to 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. We rely on the community's support. Donate to keep community-powered podcasts going for another year. Thanks for listening.